Welcome! Welcome, St. Louis City fans, to a special throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm joined by our full allotment of nuts, uh, um, I mean, uh, soccer nuts. We've got uh, producer Mason with us, Sean Campbell, and Chris Zimmerman are all here, and we're going to take some time to go over 13 of the teams in MLS's Western Conference uh, with previews for each team. One team, you notice I'm a little short on the math, but uh, that's intentional. We are not going to be talking about St. Louis City in this episode. We're going to be talking really in-depth next week uh, about St. Louis City, so be prepared for that. Uh, there's not a lot to say. Uh, it, it was, we mentioned in our main episode previously, uh, the league is considering expanding the nine playoff spots for each conference. It's not a done deal as of the time of this recording. So when we say in and out of the playoffs, we talk about playoff spots. We're still working off of the previous structure of seven teams per conference. Oh, please let that be similar. Uh, anyway, we're going to go through these somewhat in order of appearance on the schedule while we split up the duties amongst us all. And let's get right off to the bat with our first opponent coming up on February 25th. It's Austin FC. Mason's got the duties on this. And what do you have about Austin for us, Mason? Uh, we're heading down to uh, to the Weird City. Um, head coach Josh Wolf is still there. Um, Austin did very well last year. Um, and to kick off this preseason, they've brought in some names. Big one off the bat is Jossie Zardes. They picked up in free agency after he left Colorado. We know Jossie's artist from watching him on the men's national team. We also saw him play against City 2 when he was at the Rapids. Um, it's Jossie's artist. Um, another big pickup, Leo Weissenden, finished center back that they brought in um, on a pretty big deal. Uh, this is uh, kind of a one-for-one -one swap, but he looks to be a pretty big deal, kind of a in-ink starter probably for their center back position. Um, Adam Lundqvist, they brought in from the Dynamo for 500K in GAM. Um, Amro Tarek brought in through this year with an option for 24. He's a free agent. Was most recently um, on the Egyptian side, Al-Mazri. Uh, had been at Red Bulls for a while before that. Um, Will Bruin comes into Austin uh, during free agency after leaving the Sounders. Looking to be another depth player at Austin like he was at the Sounders. It also means that I go zero for three on my uh, my wish list of players for City. Um, and then here's one that we should be familiar with from City 2. They got Alfonso Acampo Chavez. Um, he signed through this year for with options for 2024 and 2025. Um, and uh, he's looking to get some playing time with the first team. And we we familiar with Ocampo Chavez from watching him in MLS Next Pro. Um, he tore us up <laughs> on the defiance. Um, outs at Austin, uh, Felipe Martins uh, had his option declined, so he moves on. Um, Ruben Grabsrielsen uh, went to uh, Lillstrom SK in Norway. Uh, this was kind of part of the swap for Leo Weissenden. Um, I think he personal reasons. Uh, wanted to leave Austin. And then uh, Musa Jite goes to AC Ajaccio in Ligue 1 uh, on loan. And then that loan deal has a deal option included, like a lot of them do. Um, but so he's gone for at least this season as well. Um, big pieces. They've got Jossie Zardes now up front. They've still got Sebastian Drusi, uh, Diego Fagundes, Leo Weissenen, uh, Maxi Arruti, um, you know, the same, a lot of the same core that took Austin um, all the way to second in the West last year. Um, they lost to eventual cup winners, LAFC in the semifinals. Um, and I'm looking at Austin to have another run of success here. Um, it A lot of the moves they made are just kind of almost like straight upgrades. Um, a big out that I didn't mention because it wasn't on field is... Um, Claudio Reyna is gone as sporting director. So Josh Wolf looks like he's the big personnel guy right now. And so I think that means that Josh Wolf went and got guys that he likes. 
that thinks it's going to work well for what he wants to play. Um, Jossie's art is a proven scorer. It's not 100% like he used to be, but he's got zing in him still, and I think that he's going to do well, and I don't see why Austin does not perform well again this year. You got him in or out of the playoffs? Oh, <laughs> easy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's Austin. I don't see them dropping too much. They're going to be in. I think with the new players that they've got coming in, I agree with Mason. They've upgraded a bit, so I'd put them as one of the favorites to win it all this year. It's sort of like Nashville. As long as, you know, Jerisi finished second to him in the MVP vote, as long as you've got somebody like that on your team, you got a real chance of winning, winning a lot. No, they're clearly in. Wow, this team just might be your Western Conference champions. So the next team we're going to take a look at is the Portland Timbers. And uh, I get the fortunate duty of going over uh, Portland for you all. Uh, head coach is, of course, Giovanni Savarese. Uh, not a lot of movement for the Timbers. Uh, who left, they uh, let the loan expire on jo- Jose Carlos Van Rankin, uh, the right back. He really wasn't that good last year. Uh, but uh, they had a big signing, and we'll go through that. Uh, you know, th- this had been a season of scandal and turmoil uh, for the Timbers. Uh, we saw high-profile owner Merritt Paulson back away from day-to-day operations of the Timbers and Thorns. Now uh, they got a new GM, Ned Grabavoy. Very little movement here uh, for him, but it only takes one big move to score a win in the offseason. And for them, Evander was that big move. The 24-year-old Brazilian attacking midfielder is the club's record signing coming in from FC Midland of the Danish Superliga with some Sebastian Blanco starting to age out as the team's playmaker. Evander looks to fill that role now in the coming years, and there's a lot to like about this kid from the videos I've seen. He's an accomplished set-piece taker for starters, but the excitement comes from his vision and creativity in facilitating the attack, while also be a real threat to score himself from anywhere, anywhere in the final third. Uh, Think about Hany Mukhtar or Sebastian Gerisi. Evander looks like he'll be one of those few true different makers in the MLS. Let's see if uh, the promise becomes reality. Other than the club deciding not to trigger uh, their option for Van Rankin, as we talked of, no one really a note has left the squad that missed the MLS Cup playoffs by a single point last season. Uh, The goalkeeper... Ivikovic is a fine one. Diego Chara is still an MLS icon at D-mid despite turning 37 in April. If you saw him last year, he's chasing guys down from behind at 36 years old. When will it stop? We'll see if it's this year. Eric Williamson is still there in the midfield despite being shopped around the league for some reason. And uh, Santiago Moreno and Diego's brother Jimmy will start on the wings a big question mark for the team is that striker Felipe Mora underwent cartilage restoration surgery last August and will be out till at least April. And how effective he will be after that remains to be seen. Uh, Yaroslav Nesgoda has been a bit disappointing, is often injured himself. MLS Soccer's Tom Bogart keeps hinting that his starting level number nine is on the way, but... Uh, that name has yet to be presented to us. So we're looking at young Brazilian Nathan Fogaccia in line for some serious minutes as it stands right now. Now remember, the transfer window in MLS for incoming transfers doesn't close until April 24th. The sum up uh, what goes on for this team, Evander really, really looks like the real deal. But if the rumored new forward isn't brought in before the end of the uh you know, the April 24th date, well, this team has what it takes to make waves in the Western Conference. I believe that they're going to make the playoffs. And time has shown us in the past, once this team gets in the playoffs, uh, they can make a run all the way to the final. So, as I said, I've got them in. I've got them on the bubble, personally. Uh, I could see them going in or, or just missing out on a decision day when it come, when push comes to shove. Um, they tried to put a push on late last year and it just didn't come out the way that they wanted it to. Um, we'll, we'll see, have to see how it goes. And if this number nine actually comes through, they're going to be in, but as it stands right now, they're on the bubble and I can see it going either way. 
I mean, I guess they're technically a bubble team for me, but I'm fairly confident they're going to make it in. See, I, I did not port Portland on my list, uh, like my ranking until like an hour or two ago <laughs> because I just didn't know. But I, I, sh- I put them where I should have put them, which was on the bubble in because they are always in contention for a spot like that. And it's basically the same squad that was last year. They were very much in contention all the way up until decision day. And um, if, if just one thing go breaks a little bit their way, they're in like they are every year. So also worth mentioning is that, you know, Nashville is no longer in the Western Conference. Yeah. Portland finished eighth. So Nashville leaving that bumps them up. And no spoilers for my section, but there's a team ahead of them that I think is going to fall from grace pretty badly. So with those two things in mind, I'm fairly confident Portland's going to make it. All right. Next on our list, we're going to go to uh, Sean Campbell. Give us a lowdown on the L.A. Galaxy. Right, so we've got the LA Galaxy. We kind of know what we get when, we, when we're looking at Los Galacticos, um, but I'll give you a quick update on what's been happening in this offseason forum. They got a couple of major ins. They brought in Memo Rodriguez and Chris Mavinga. Memo will easily slot in here. He's going to keep that back line really solid. Mavinga has some f- familiarity with Greg Vanny and his time at TFC. He's also run, won some silverware uh, also at TFC. Um, I can see this working very well. They're they're going to slot right in there at backline. That backline is going to be just as solid, if not more so, this coming season. Uh, as far as major out go, outs go, they they lost Victor Vasquez, uh, Kevin Cabral's out, Samuel Grand Sears out, Nick Dupuis gone, and of course, adios, Mister Mustache. Sasha Question will miss you dearly. Uh, when it comes to Vasquez, he was mostly depth at this point anyway for them. Uh, so I, I, I see him being replaced by someone moving up, the younger guy finally getting a shot at being a depth player. Grand Seer, his spot's been replaced. Uh, Dupuis as well on that back line. Sasha Question, again, we're going to miss you, but at the same time, you were kind of relegated to depth at that point. The biggest issue here is Kevin Cabral leaves, um, and that causes some questions when it comes to the front line. Uh, it frees up a DP slot for LA. They can use that. And, you know, they also got a large amount of gam in that deal. And if, if with this spot on the front line being freed up, maybe they can actually find a way to work Jovalich on the pitch at the same time as Chicharito more often. That might cause a whole, a whole switch in, in the lineup and in the structure and in the formation. Uh, but going into this next season, couple of key players you got to keep your eye on same guys you always do Ricky Puj he's that he's that maestro that engine in the midfield Julie Julian Araujo absolutely indispensable out there on the wing Dejan Jovalich and Jonathan Bond comes back for another season that's always good to see um but with Araujo danger man on the wing um Ricky Puj, maestro in that midfield will Jovalich actually outplay Chicharito and get that top spot that remains to be seen. Bond coming back is always a good shoring up. You know, you've got a solid keeper in the back. And just as a quick wrap of the whole situation, uh, the last couple of years, they've been pretty mediocre. They finally got a good look at the playoffs and really gave it a good go. Uh, they haven't had too much turnover in reality as far as starters go. Uh, the roster spots and everything has been anything that they did miss out on has been filled quite quickly. It might be a bit rough in the start to try to get the team to gel, but ultimately the biggest question to be answered for them this year is what is their forward line going to look like going forward uh, without Cabral, and how are you going to are you going to continue to split time between Dahan and and Javier Hernandez? Do they play together now? Maybe uh, is there any way you can make that work? But we all we all know what we're going to get as far as Arujo. There's going to be some danger there from him. Puj is going to be wonderful with the ball at his feet. It's it's all comes down to what are the front men going to do? Are they going to be the true front man and put the ball in the back of the net? Are they going to continue to fight with each other for time? And maybe, you know, it's it's just run the hot hand. Ultimately, it really comes down to they're going to have a good campaign, but it, it, how high up in the standings are they going to get is going to come down to their strikers and how good can they score? Ultimately, I have them in. It's just a matter of how far up the standings do they go. And again, that's based off of how well can they finish and how much are they going to score? I originally had the Galaxy on the bubble, on the right side of the bubble. 
I think I'm actually going to hedge my bets here, and I'm going to swap them with a different team. I think I'm going to put them bubble out just a little bit because I don't know. Galaxy, they... They're the, they're the truest of the true bubble teams. You never really know. They really ride, ride that line. Yeah, I'm going to ride the other side of that bubble and say they're going to be bubble in. Their fan base <laughs> are threatening to boycott the beginning of the season because they're not happy with how the front office is running. But at the same time, I think they're protesting a little bit too much. This is still a team that's capable of making it to the playoffs. I don't think they've fallen from grace that badly. I think they're still a pretty good shout to get in. Yeah, I've got him in the playoffs. A lot of that has to do with coach Greg Vanny is going to play with his two strikers up front, and he really needs to get them both on the field. If he's moving to that uh, 3-5-2 to work with everything here, I've got him solidly in. If not, they're a bubble team. Uh, one other thing to keep in mind, uh, after they left Crabrawl, they had a DP slot open, uh, everybody's expecting him to bring in a replacement winger. Uh, there's a lot of thought out there that the new DP for the LA Galaxy will be Ricky Puig. So, just a little note, see if that happens. Okay, so that's the LA Galaxy. Uh, next up, we're going to go to Chris with this, and he's going to give us a rather confusing update on Minnesota United. Yeah, so Minnesota United, otherwise known as the Loons, as like every other team in the Western Conference, we're going to play them twice this season at home on April 1st and away on September 23rd. This past week, the biggest news in the league was that Emmanuel Reynoso, the Argentine midfielder, who is the top scorer for Minnesota United this past season with 12 goals, has been suspended without pay for failure to appear at training camp. The team itself has publicly called it a personal matter. There really is no official word on anything. Everyone seems a bit confused. However, it's worth noting that in 2021, he was arrested back home in Argentina for a violent attack on a 16-year-old. And there's rumors that this is all court appearances related to that. What direction that goes in is... Very important with the team uh, relying on him so heavily. And no one really knows what's going on. I don't think the team knows what's happening. I don't think his lawyers know what's happening. It's a very, A, sensitive situation and B, tenuous one. And it's much bigger than sports when someone does something that he's accused of. But from a sporting perspective, Minnesota depends on this guy. So how well they'll perform this season depends very strongly on how he will on whether or not Reynoso is available to play because the only other major loss that Minnesota had this past season was a player that didn't really even see much playing time with the first team it was Azeel Jackson who was an absolute star in MLS Next Pro and is now with the good guys and they brought in two pretty good signings. Uh, Mikhail Marquez, a Swedish center back from AFC Eskil Stuna, and Cameron Dunbar, who is a right winger for the LA Galaxy. But looking at the two signings they made, a center back and a winger, tells me that they were not expecting this Reynoso news at all. They aren't prepared for it. Because, again, I mentioned he is a very important player. They also have Luis Amaria, who's a forward from Paraguay, Franco Fragampain, uh, forward from Argentina. Robin Lod, the midfielder from Finland. Dwayne St. Clair, their starting goalie from Canada. And their captain, Will Trapp, who is an American defensive midfielder. Again, there's just not much to say here without knowing what Reynoso's status is. Without him, I think they are clearly out of the playoffs. You know, with him, they've been shown a pretty good job of being resilient and kind of being, I mean, middling and barely making the playoffs. But they've been very consistent with it. They're becoming the Red Bulls of the Western Conference. But without Reynoso, it's, I don't see how they get in. Absolutely agree, 100%. Uh, with Reynoso, they're bubble team in. Without Reynoso, they're definitely out. Uh, it reminds me, this situation reminds me similarly to um, the midfielder from sporting KC last season who was having gambling problems and they just kept saying personal issue and then all of a sudden just 
out for the whole season. I don't expect Reynoso anytime soon, and by the time he does come back in, it may be too little too late, so I'm going to have to go ahead and hedge my bet and say they're just out. Mm. Yeah, the thing is is that Minnesota has a similar, though less successful thing that Nashville has going on, where everything feeds through Mukhtar. Um, they've got talent on Minnesota, but everything goes through to Reynoso. If he's not there, they're cratering. Yeah, uh, I've got them actually out of the playoffs, like in eighth place. So a true bubble team, if Reynoso plays. If he's not there, man, they could be last bottom of the league. I Without him, they're so reliant on him, I don't think they've got a competitive, that competitive of a team out there, to be quite honest. The other thing is, one reason why they cut Azeel Jackson out and shipped him off to uh, St. Louis City is the fact he was so firmly blocked by Bebe Reynoso. And now Reynoso's not there uh, the the very season that they traded him to St. Louis City. So, interesting development. And uh, uh, the fascinating thing on this is the club has had very little contact with Reynoso. No one really knows what's going on. This is fascinating. It's something, uh, a developing story I'm really interested in following. I guess it's good on us for striking while the iron's hot. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah, in there. I really don't you can. feel good, you know, watching this situation, but the true crime part of my brain is tickled a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'm not pivoting to true crime. I will no. not do no. it. <laughs> so next on our list, uh is the San Jose Earthquakes, and uh, I get the pleasure of talking about the quakes. And actually, it was more pleasurable than I thought it would be coming in. Uh, they got a new head coach, one that they announced last season, but Luchi Gonzalez was a little busy with the World Cup as assistant coach uh, under uh, Greg Berhalter. Uh, not too much movement, but uh, we'll talk about that a little. And... Uh, you know, Lucci's now done with the World Cup. It's time for him to attempt to make something out of the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, now, the Earthquakes have a lot of talent in their academy. Uh, and uh, Lucci's longtime work with FC Dallas makes him a good fit for this latest incarnation of the Earthquakes, which is to develop and sell from the academy. Uh Gonzalez has been able to get to somehow cheapskate owner John Fisher to spend some money to fill a gaping hole in the roster at defensive midfielder. Uh, he completed a transfer for Carlos Grezo from FC Augsburg for a club record fee. Now, the signing of Grezo will help immensely, uh, plugging a gap that was such a sieve last year through midfield for them. In three and a half seasons with FC Dallas before he moved to Augsburg, the Ecuadorian was a high-level D-mid destroyer, and I we just don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue with his return to MLS. The Quakes did sign Brazilian goalkeeper Daniel from the from Internacional uh, to challenge JT Marskinkowski for the starts. Uh, they have other Brazilians out there, Nathan and Rodriguez, were slated to start at center back. But this week, Nathan did his ACL and will require surgery. So a big move for the Quakes uh, here at late order. They made a sparkling deal picking up Jonathan Mensa from Columbus for 200000 in K in GAM and an additional 3000 in incentives. Uh, Spaniard Carlos Acapo seems to be the starting right back. He joined the team last August but did not play. He was recovering from injury he suffered while at Cadiz while playing against uh, Real Madrid in La Liga. Along with Grezo in the midfield, Jackson Ewell's there, and DP Jamiro Montero return. Cade Cowell looks to be the regular starter on the wing for the Quakes. He gets a position to play. It's time for this young star to have a set position and play regularly so he can develop consistency to match his impressive athletic skills. U.S. men's national team fans and clubs worldwide will be tracking his progress this season. And up front, they got Jeremy Ibopisi, who was quite fine last year as a team striker. Really quite good. Uh, there's a lot on Luchi Gonzalez this year to coach him up and get something done. There's a lot riding on Cowell to make that next step. If he does, well, he 
could just be gone, transferred out by summer, uh, sold on for a tidy fee. There's a lot of promise in San Jose's development system, but the roster at this level looks thin. And as it always seems to be for the Quakes lately, the hope is in the future. But the here and now, you know, Mensa really helps in Grezo, but still looks kind of bleak for him, to be quite honest. Um, I've got him out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got him solidly out. There's just too much to make up, too much ground to make up with what they've got. Yeah, I, I see him improving. Um, I don't see the bottom of the barrel like they have been the last few years, but they're out. Um, they're on the right track, I think, but we'll have to see if that pans out. But no, no, not yet. Yeah, I agree. They aren't going to finish last like they did last season, but yeah, no, they're not quite playoffs yet. Um. Here's a name for you out of San Jose. He's in their academy. He just scored a hat trick for the U.S. uh, under-17s. Cruz Medina. Just keep an eye out for that name. Everyone thinks this kid's the next star coming out of the U.S. Okay, that's it for the Earthquakes. Uh, Moving on. Our next team we're going to take a look at, uh, you might have heard of them. The reigning CONCACAF Champions League winners, the Seattle Sounders. And Sean gets to talk about him this this year. Luckily with Seattle, it's a very easy, simple, quick wash your hands and done because let's be real, it's Seattle. They really didn't have a lot of turnover. They brought in a bear from NYCFC in a blockbuster move. They moved out a Deneron who we're getting familiar with more and more every single day as he's with us now. Mason already talked about Will Bruin leaving, um, but I think the biggest out that we haven't talked about yet would be Jimmy Madronda. Um, absolute, absolute loss for them as far as as far as his versatility on the pitch, what he can bring to the game. Um, they he had been relegated to a depth role, even though I think he should be doing a lot more with what with his skill set. Um, but we'll see how he goes on. This team is it's the Death Star. Take your pick as far as key players go. It's it's the Death Star. It's what they do. Um, last year was an absolute fluke. They had the cup hangover really bad. And I mean, bad. Um, but I mean, you would too, if you were the first team in your league to win the CCL, it was absolutely monumental season for them, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, it, it, they, they, it's a largely unchanged roster. They brought in a bear, but at the same time, provided they don't get absolutely smacked over the head by the injury sledgehammer that they did last year that there's no way they're not making the playoffs. And I think this year they're going to be in, but not just in, they're going to be in emphatically. Now I got them on the bubble, but above the line. Uh, One thing that we saw last season uh, and we saw it in the club world cup is this team suddenly has a real struggle putting goals in the net, um, which is shocking to be honest. Uh, but I think uh, a big thing is uh, that might help is Jao Paulo is going to be back from injury after missing so many games because of that knee injury suffered in the CCL final. That's going to help a lot. It just changes the whole dynamic um, with Rusnak and Roldan playing in more natural positions. Um, so I've got them in, but I got them at the bottom of the playoff teams. I've I've got a couple different takes on Seattle because it kind of depends on what they want to go for. Because um, I think that like this is a team that could try to win the League's Cup, especially with that coming in. They prove that they can win international competitions like that by winning CCL. Um, but they also prove that like they're one of the best MLS teams and even they don't have the depth to compete for Cup and for, for League. If they want to win the League's Cup, if they want to compete like that, then I think they're out again. But I think if they decide that they're they're going back to the MLS playoffs, then they're in with a bullet. Hmm. Yeah, I'm putting them in no matter what. I agree that if they make the deep League's Cup run, then they're kind of a bubble in team. But I still think that they are making it again, given they don't have injury issues like last season. But that seemed like a one-off situation because of the CCL run. Fair enough. It'll be fascinating to see what happens with Seattle this season. Next up on our list, 
Uh, we've got Mason. He's going to talk about the Colorado Rapids. What have you got about a cronky owned team, Mason? <laughs> our, our dreaded rivals, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Almost. Head coach Robin Frazier uh, is doing his best <laughs> with the, uh, the budget that he's given. Um, big ends. We talked about Kevin Cabral left the galaxy. He landed in Colorado. Uh, they spent a million dollars in GAM to pick him up. He's still on a DP contract there, which means that Colorado has actually used a DP slot. I can't believe it. Um, uh, they're betting big on on Cabral. Um, they've also got another DP slot, even more stunning. It's two instead of zero. Um, Andreas Maxo, a 28-year-old Danish international center back. Uh, they picked him up from Brondby IF in the Danish Superliga. Uh, he is signed through 2025 with an option for 26. Um, they've also got Cole Bassett returning from his loan. And then there's Moisi Bombito, who they picked up third overall in the Super Draft. They got that pick as part of their deal for Mark Anthony Kay. Um, he's a generation Adidas defender. Um, Colorado needs help on that back line. So they've got some pieces there now. Um, big out is Jossie's artist. It's Jossie's artist. <laughs> um, but so uh, at Colorado, they've got Cole Bassett coming back. They've got Kevin Cabral, uh, Andreas Maxo, uh, Diego Rubio still there, and Calvin Harris. Um, they were 10th in the West last year, didn't make the playoffs. And Colorado is interesting. Um, if Kevin Cabral can produce like he was slated to, but didn't, then they are going to rock it up. They're they're going to be in. But if Kevin Cabral, if that wasn't a fluke, if he if he plays the way that he has proven to play instead of the way that he was expected to, then they're going to stay middling. I um, I think that they're going to stay on the wrong side of the bubble unless Cabral kicks on for them. Yeah. Uh it's hard to say. I got him on the bubble. Uh, you know, changing teams worked wonders for Julian Carranza when he moved from Inter-Miami to Philadelphia Union last year. I think the Colorado Rapids are looking at that. We talked about them not wanting DPs. This one's kind of on the cheap because the Galaxy spent $5 million in cash to bring him over from Ligue 2. Um, they're just spending a million dollars in GAM on him. You know, he's a great playmaker. He got in positions constantly for the Galaxy and flubbed his chances. It all comes down to finishing. Maybe he can relax now he's not in L.A. Maybe that's it. We'll, time will tell. My money, I've got Colorado also as a bubble team. Um, they're probably the truest of the bubble teams in my mind because I could see them either in or out. It's really going to come down to decision day and the, you know, random variables that happen throughout a season. I, I honestly cannot pick which which Colorado we're going to see this season. I'm going to call them out. You call them out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, Colorado. You're on notice. <laughs> uh, moving Hashtag on. Colorado is canceled party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the Wokarati has struck again. <laughs> Next, we got a team that uh, wants to call themselves coming from America's soccer capital, but they don't. No. Uh, Chris is going to tell us all about Sporting Kansas City. Um, Boo this man. A very strong displeasure to be covering Kansas City. Once because it's Kansas City, and two because I just have Sean looking over my notes like I'm giving some sort of physics lecture to Stephen Hawking. So let's see <laughs> how well this goes. Uh, Kansas City, them being our biggest rivals, the league has, in their infinite knowledge, given us three games against them this year. The first is a home game on May 20th, and then we play them twice in September, once away on September 2nd, and then a final home game on September 30th. The only real big signing they've brought in is Tim Liebold, who is a German left back from Amberger. And they only have technically one really big out, uh, Nicolas Ismatz-Marine, who is a French center back who has gone to Vitesse from the Netherlands. However, two very important players are out with injury. The Ethiopian-Israeli attacking midfielder Gadi Kinda and a Mexican center forward 
Alan Pulida. They have both had knee surgeries and there isn't a solid timetable for them to return. Pulida is back practicing with the team, but there's no real strong indication of how that's going. And Kinda doesn't seem to be anywhere near match fit right now. The other key players they have is Daniel Saloy, a left winger from Hungary. Willie Agata. Shallowy. <laughs> yep. See, this is why Sorry. I didn't want to do this. He's one of my fa- he's one of my favorite players. I can't I cannot I cannot stand it. Like, I'm sorry. What was it you We're said on the last episode about ex- he, exercising he the is demons? He's the Hungarian assassin. I love the man. All right. I love the man, not the club. Tell him, Mitch, we are exercising those demons on the 20th. <laughs> but Willie Agata, who's a center forward from Nigeria, who came in about halfway through last season, and their captain, Johnny Russell, who's a right winger from Scotland, sometimes called Scottish Bessie. Um, you know, last season they didn't do very well. They finished 12th in the conference with 40 points, which is seven points out of playoff spot for last season. And a lot of that was due to the injuries to Kinda and Pulida. And with Pulida looking like he might be coming back, that could be a change of fortune. But when you lose two really good goal scorers and the only big signing you have is a left back, it's not looking so good. So. I think that they are a team that's solidly out of the playoffs and maybe even in wooden spoon contention. I guess we're waiting for me to go ahead and go first, so I'll <laughs> go ahead and go first. Uh, I've got them as a bubble team, bubble team in, because all reports that I've seen have shown that Polito and Kinda will be back at least sometime early in the season. Uh, and if they do come back and can show up what they were, what they were putting out before they went out for the entire season last year, this team is in the playoffs, no doubt. But that's a big but. Um, as far as their back line, it's going to be absolute Swiss cheese because it's what who they have left is absolutely aging. Courtney Ford is now out for the long term. They're they're going to give up a lot of goals. They really are, and that's going to be very uncharacteristic for a Peter Vermees team. But uh, I've got them as a bubble team, bubble team in, provided Kinda and Polito show up and show out. Now I've got them in. Um. Sporty KC, once they brought in Agata and uh, and they brought in Fontas, they were quite good in the second half, actually. They got better and better. Fontas has been there for a few uh, years. You, are you thinking of Jonas? Jonas, that's who I'm thinking of, with Fontas. Uh, the addition of Polito Kind is not as advanced as Polito from what I'm hearing. But I think they're going to be able to overcome their deficiencies in defense. Um, maybe, uh, Vermees can coach up, uh, Jonas to actually play some defense. Cause I know that was a issue last year, a little bit with him. Uh, Johnny Russell means so much. Shaloy, uh, getting, uh, Polito up and running to run this with the additions. I'm, I'm probably higher than you guys on Sporting Casey. Well, definitely higher than me. Cause I had him in a wooden spoon race. So surprise. Y'all, y'all, just saying, um, I'm not the one that's highest on Sporting KC on this. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest. My I demons can... have been exercised. See, I, I thought that <laughs> I was going to be the outlier because I've also got KC in. Um, I think that they are going to uh, get bumped up after having recovered from their injuries. If Polito comes back. Um, and then, yeah, the, their their second half adi- uh, additions really helped them last year. Not enough, but. I, I think that last year was kind of a one-off, and Casey is a good team over there. I think they're going to be okay. Okay. Next on our list is a team that was uh, pretty strong last year. Let's see if they're going up or down or staying the same. It's FC Dallas, and Sean Campbell give us a lowdown. All right. We got FC Dallas, uh, the second team in our Copa Tejas rundown. Um, this year, we've got a couple of major ins, a couple of major outs. I'll start with the outs, actually, because we have Matt Hedges and Frank O'Hara leaving. Um, Matt Hedges went to TFC, and they needed to go out and get his center back, and they eventually did. We'll get into that in a second. Um, Frank O'Hara, though, was a mutual termination of contract. That's important because that frees up a DP slot, and Dallas is more than likely going to go out and get someone in the summer transfer window to fill that slot to really take their game to the next level once they see where they're at right now. As far as ins go, they brought in Sebastian Ibiega from LAFC. He started that MLS Cup match and 
eventually won the trophy, and he's a very solid replacement at center back for Matt Hedges. Uh, Giovanni Jesus and Ahmet Korshas, they both come in, uh, Giovanni being a U-22 signing and Ahmet having played in the Croatian Top League. Uh, very solid depth and potential starting spots for both of them on the new look back line for Dallas. As far as key players go for this season, look to the same the same old faces. Paxson Pomacall, I think he's going to have a very, very more pronounced position in this lineup going forward. Jesus Ferreira, obviously. Paul Areola, obviously, seeing that connection get going. Marco Farfan is always important out there on the wing. And Sebastian Legette, can he break in and actually be a strong per- component in that midfield? If all of these guys don't end up connecting well in that build-up play, it's going to really suffer, and I think their scoring is going to suffer like much like they did going down the stretch at the end of last season. Um, all in all, though, last year they put in a very solid campaign with a bit of a fade. If Jesus and Paul can keep that connection up, Legette can really get into this into that starting eleven and help with that build-up. Um, I think they'll you can overlook that new look backline that they're trying to put together. Uh, even without Matt Hedges there to really pull things together. I think we can look to see Los Toros really putting together another exciting season on the pitch with some ups and downs, as any team can expect. But ultimately, I think they're going to figure it out again. They're going to show that last year wasn't just a fluke. They're going to get into the playoffs, and I think they're going to be pushing for a home first-round home match in the end of it. I'm very undecided on Dallas. Um, I... I've got them bubble and I really have not decided which side of the bubble. But one thing I do think about Dallas is that um, with uh, with the the pairing from Miami gone, I think that um, Jesus Ferreira and Paul Ariola could be the most exciting forward pairing in MLS for next season. Um, so I think they're going to be fun to watch a lot like um, Higuain and Pozuelo were in Inter-Miami down the stretch. Um, but I really don't know where to put them. I, they're they're going to be in contention, but I don't know what side of what side of the line they're going to fall on. Honestly, I got them pretty well in. I'm high on them, like uh, Sean. Um, everybody we mentioned. I'm looking for young Alan Velasco, who had some high moments last year to in his second season to really solidify and add even more to their attack. And I say this despite the fact that I'm. Really iffy on getting rid of Matt Hedges because teams in MLS that get rid of a proven lockdown center back that's a legend within the squad doesn't always go well, but I think they've got enough to overcome that. Yeah, I think that they're pretty solidly in the playoffs. They might have taken a bit of a step back, but you know they were third in the Western Conference last season. I don't think they've taken a big enough step back to miss the playoffs. Okay, and next up, we got the team that, uh, well, City played on uh, Sunday in preseason. Uh, Giving us a rundown on the Vancouver Whitecaps is Chris. All right, so we played them in the preseason, and we are playing them twice this regular season, May 27th at home, and then October 4th on the road. They've brought in a few pretty good, solid names. Um, Julian Gressel, the right midfielder from D.C. Alessandro Schopf, who is a Austrian center midfielder, fr- center midfielder from two Bundesliga team, Armenia Bielefeld. And Matthias Laborda, who is a Uruguayan center back, who is from the Uruguayan team, Nacional. They do have a few pretty big outs. They have Jake Nierwinski, who is their main starting right back, who once again is playing for the good guys this year. They've had two pretty big names retire with Toussaint Ricketts, who is a forward from Canada, and Florian Youngworth, who is a center back from Germany. They have both retired. And then Lucas Cavallini, who scored nine goals for them last season, is a forward from Argentina, has moved on to Tijuana in the Liga MX. They still have the key players left behind of Ryan Gauld, who is an attacking midfielder from Scotland, Brian White, an American center forward, Pedro Vite, an Ecuadorian center midfielder, and their captain, Russell Tebert, who is a midfielder from Canada. Uh, their playing style is kind of similar to ours in a way. They're a team that likes to be pretty solid defensively and then transition to attack quickly. Tell me where you've heard that before. Um, the magic word press to main press teams that maintain possession. Never heard that before. Last season, they 
missed the playoffs just barely. They were four points out with 43 points. Um, It's hard to judge them this year because they did lose two pretty big players to retirement. They've lost their right back. Their players they brought on don't really seem to be replacing the players that they've lost. But I think they have a chance of making the playoffs. I think they're a, a bubble team that's on the outside looking in, but if they made it, I wouldn't be too shocked. Yeah, I'm not I'm not high on the white caps. Uh uh bubble team, but actually if you push me to it, I'd have to say they're out of the playoffs myself. Yeah, I think I've I've got them as a bubble team insofar as they're a bubble of whether or not they are on the bubble. Um I've got them pretty solidly out, but I think they're they have a potential to be relevant on decision day, much like we're hoping to be. Yeah, I've got I've got Vancouver out. Um, they overperformed from what I expected from last year, but I don't see that lasting. All right, it's always hard to say what Vancouver is going to do any season. Uh, next up is a team that I think people have a pretty good firm hand on what to expect from. It's the MLS champions, LAFC, and uh, Mason's got the rundown on them. We're going back to sunny Los Angeles. Um, Steve Chirundolo took this team to the cup finals and won it. Um, but there's been a lot happening there. Um, so big ins at LAFC. The big, big one, Steve Buk, uh, Croatian youth national team winger, uh, signed um, a massive $6 million transfer fee to bring him from Croatian side Hajuk Split. Um, signed through 2026 with an option for 2027. He's on a U-22 initiative deal. Um, I think they like this kid. Um, they got Aaron Long in free agency from the New York Red Bulls. There's my 0 for 3 on wishlist players. Blessing, Long, and Bruin all went somewhere else. Um, Eldon Yakupovich. Uh, keeper from Everton. This is a depth pickup, in my opinion, because Maxime Crepeau had that really nasty injury that he suffered in the cup final. They need they need keepers. Um, Sergi Palencia, right back from Lagans in Spain, um, was on loan to there from Saint Antoine in France. Um, he's expected to be another depth pickup alongside Hollingshead in the back. Um, and then Timothy Tillman is a midfielder from Zwei Bundesliga, uh, Ruther Firth. And this is a death pickup because they lost Blessing. Um, speaking of, Latif Blessing, we talked about him on the last one because he went to New England. Um, they got $400,000 in GAM. And sounded like Latif Blessing kind of wanted to leave L.A. Uh, got his trophy. And... I, I really like Latif Blessing. Um, but Christian Arango, he leaves LAFC, uh, goes to Pachuca in Liga MX for about $6 million transfer fee with a sell-on percentage as well. So that's a lot of money that they got for him. Um, and then Gareth Bale, um, one-and-done season at LAFC, retired from club and country games after the 2022 World Cup. So he's finally hung them up. Um, old heads that are still there include uh, Giacchini. He's sticking around. They've got Kellen Acosta, um, Steve Biuk that they brought in. Carlos Vela is still there. Uh, Mamadou Fall is back. Ryan Hollingshead, Aaron Long. Dennis Bowanga is still there. And then Maxime Cropo is a question mark because he had a pretty nasty injury. I think he had to have surgery on it. Um, and there hasn't been a timetable for when he's coming back. But um, if he comes back in the season, I'm expecting him to basically, once he's up to speed, be in there because he is the guy they want in net. But if he doesn't pan out, then he doesn't pan out. Um, it's the price that you pay um, for, you know, winning the cup, I suppose. Um, last year, I think we all know they were the Western Conference champions, supporter shield champions, won the cup. Um, 
When I wrote this originally, for In and Out, I put Lowell and also Lamau. Because obviously, but I'm not so sure now. I, I think that LAFC is in with a bullet, but I had them pretty high to repeat. I don't know if they can anymore. They're in the playoffs for sure, but they're they just don't seem as good as they did last year. A lot of turnover happened on that team. I see it as turnover for the better. I've got them also in with a bullet to use your words. They're pretty emphatically in. I think them and Sounders will end up fighting with maybe one or two other teams for that top spot in the West. Yeah, that's sort of the thing is that LAFC on paper is taking a big step back, but also none of the teams in the West seem to have taken a huge step forward aside from maybe Austin. So I think they're a home playoff team for sure. I've got them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they lose a lot of goals with Arango, but uh, Steve Toronto was just very unhappy with the uh, defensive effort that he put in. I know people were actually talking about him coming to City, and if uh, if he wasn't defensive enough for uh, LAFC, he sure as heck isn't going to make it in Leeds' <laughs> Carnell system. Um, Buick is a big one. He was on the UEFA uh, 40 young players list. They're very high on him. Young player, is he going to be up to speed to get it? But the club is extremely high on being able to land this kid. Uh, so we'll see how well he works out this season. I don't have him that high on the list of finish in the Western Conference this season because I think they're going to make a real push to win CCL. And I think this roster fits up very well to perform very uh, to perform a very deep run in uh, the CCL uh, this year. All right. Coming to the end of our list for the Western Conference. Uh, and uh, this seems to be near the bottom of the list because uh, I've got the Houston Dynamo. And uh, with the Dynamo this year, uh, They've had some changes. The big one is former DC United head coach, longtime head coach Ben Olsen is in. Uh, they brought in Artur, Brad Smith, Franco Escobar. Uh, they got a loan for Ivan Franco. They lost, of course, Tim Parker. Well, to City. Uh, Darwin Quintero, Memo Rodriguez, Adam Lundquist, Fafa Picol. They've lost some names, but they weren't very good last year. Um uh, so Ben Olsen's on board for the season. Man, his man management skills and extensive knowledge of MLS was going to be needed to break this club out of what seems to be an embedded malaise, just full of poor play and lack of excitement about the team. Uh, last year, we thought Hector Herrera, Ache Ache coming in from Atletico Madrid will give him a bump. Um, and they did uh, very early on, but that faded. There was no lasting bump of results in the second half of 2022. They've got a lot of changes going on in the defense, perhaps for the better. Tim Parker, we talked about his trade. They picked up uh, uh, half a million in GAM uh, for that trade. They're picking up a large portion of the salary. Parker never really seemed to fit in Houston uh, as we expect him to really fit in City. It's the style of play. Uh, but they opened up a DP slot. Uh, they also traded out their starting uh, left back, Adam Lundqvist, to Austin FC. They picked up Brad Smith, as we mentioned, as a free agent. But uh, he's kind of recovering from an injury. And they got uh, Davincio van der Kust on loan from FC Utrecht of the Ereviste in the Netherlands. And uh, Franco Escobar to start it right back. Looks like they're going to go with uh, MLS uh, journeyman Michael Steres to partner with uh, their DP and uh, young budding star teenage Debbie in the back. And uh, Artur will be in the midfield to try to shore that up. There's a lot riding on Herrera and uh, Coco Carrasquillo to find a partnership to improve the flow through the midfield that was so lacking last year. Um, they've got a 25-year-old winger, Amin Bassi from FC Metz of France's Ligue 2, to challenge incoming Loni Ivan Franco to start opposite uh, MLS veteran Corey Barrett on the wings. Their forward's going to be uh, their DP, Sebastian Ferreira. 
man, Ben Olsen has a lot on his hands to try to mold all these changes into a coherent team that can find traction, traction for success. After a season that saw the Dynamo one single point above the very bottom of the Western Conference, they gutted the roster, understandably. But is this new roster a serious improvement over what they had last year? Honestly, as I boiled it down, I don't think it really is. And Houston's going to suffer through yet another season of malaise in 2023. I got him out. Mm -hmm. I also have Houston solidly out. I think Houston are a front runner for the wooden spoon. I absolutely don't think that's unfair. Yeah, they're going to be running that. I got them at the bottom, bottom of the conference. Okay. We got one more team today to go over in the Western Conference. Sean Campbell gets the honors of talking about Real Salt Lake. Well, looks like last and certainly almost least RSL. Uh, Not a whole lot of major movement here. Uh, We'll start with the outs on these guys again. Uh, Major outs. We've got Bobby Wood left, Aaron Herrera left, and Sergio Cordova left. Uh... That's three really important, important attacking players that are now gone. Absolutely just gone from the roster. Um, Don't know how they're going to be able to pick that up. They did bring in, in a club record signing, Andres Gomez. Uh, But at the end of the day, what what can I say about RSL? They moved out a couple of big pieces. They brought in Gomez from Millonarios in Brazil. Um, Cordova, his loan ran out. Did not get the renewal or the purchase. The midfield looks to be as solid as it ever as there ever has been, as been has been the case since Kyle Passett Backerman was running running the show over there. Um the it's it's you, you can't rely on Demir Krylak to run this team, though. Cause when it comes down to it, your key players this year are gonna be Krylak, Gomez, and Savarino, but you can't expect Krylak to put the team on his back all year. I just want to point out a quick stat. Um, They had an astounding 24 matches last season that were decided by one goal or less. That could be a tie. That could be they lost by a goal. They could be they won by a goal. Uh, Granted, they got points out of 18 of them. Most of them were draws. uh, But when your win total and your draw total are even, sorry, I said most, but in reality, it was 12 wins and 11 draws in out of that 24 uh, that were decided by one goal. Y- you d- you don't have a defense problem at that point. It ends up becoming a problem of offense. You have a severe scoring issue at that point. Um, and I just don't think that, you know, I-, I said it earlier with the other teams I covered, you know, can they score? Will they score? How much will they score? This is, you're just not scoring. You need to fix this problem. It's a severe issue. I don't think they went and got anything that will help them fix that issue, at least not in the immediate in the immediate timetable, and definitely not down the road. I don't see them doing much of anything. Granted, Mastrani came in halfway through the season last year, uh, and this is his first full season. I think the playoffs are an absolute pipe dream for RSL. There's no way they're making it. They might not be in the wooden spoon conversation, but there's no way in hell they are being relevant on decision day. You know, there's a a fake statistical uh, uh, category that was created called X-Dog for a fight in that. Last season, RSL was the MLS kings of X-Dog. Nobody could figure out how... They kept winning, getting results, and staying in the playoff chase. Um, does that is something is that something that can continue? Perhaps, uh, but uh, I'm just I'm just not sold. I'm just not sold on this team. I've got them. Are you uh, asking if RSL got that dog in them? They got that. <laughs> they had the dog in them. Do they ha- still have the dog in them? What's I don't the think they got that doing? dog in them anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, relying on way overperforming your expected performance based on luck isn't a good system to have. It's not sustainable. So, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a good season for them. I always underrate RSL. They, um, they're really not that good a team, but they snuck in last year. They, they, they find ways to get in. I'm underrating them again this year. I think they're out, but I put them as a bubble team because I always underestimate them. 
Yeah, I'd have to say recent history. Uh, uh, don't discount them too easily. Who knows what's going to be. Got them on the bubble, but I don't think they're making the cut this year. I think that's fair. All right. That's what we have for the Western Conference. Uh, we'll Setting see how records it all pans by doing out. this in an hour and 15 minutes instead of two <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> we can we can always cover the other teams more in depth as we come up to playing. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to play all of Just them. Just like we're going to do with City next week. Uh, right before that final game, we'll probably be taking a more in-depth look at Austin as well on that. But uh, for this throwing episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast, I have to say that I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And I'm the man too lazy to come up with two outro jokes in one recording session, Chris. (laughs) And we are (laughs) the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.